Now the Tokyo Olympics has had a bumpy ride this last year and just as things couldn't get worse, the head of Japan's Tokyo Olympic Committee, Yoshiro Mori, was forced to resign after making some rather bold remarks. Responding to the idea that more women should be featured in board meetings, uh, he came out with the remark, if we increase the number of female board members, we have to make sure their speaking time is restricted as women have difficulty finishing, which is annoying. Oh God. Now, there was just one problem with this comment. It's not 1936 anymore. And the backlash was swift, with Yuriko Koike, Tokyo's first female mayor, refusing to go to meetings with him in protest, 150,000 signatures asking for his removal, and the world's media rounding on him before he bowed out. And everyone lived happily ever after. Until a month later when it happened again. This time, the creative director of the Tokyo Olympic opening ceremony, Hiroshi Sasaki, had jokingly suggested that one of Japan's top comedians, Naomi Watanabe, should be dressed up in the opening ceremony as a pig. Oh. To quote Hiroshi Sasaki, Naomi Watanabe could appear as an Olympic. Olympic, what the fuck is that? Unsurprisingly, he got the chop too. And no, we're not talking pork chops. Unfortunately though, these sort of stories are quite a regular occurrence in the media. Japan is ranked 120th currently when it comes to gender equality. And if you look at photos of Japanese politicians or CEOs and leaders, it's almost like a Where's Wally or a Where's Waldo for American viewers uh, to try and find someone that isn't a 200-year-old man. In the workplace here as a woman, you're much more likely to get paid less, you're going to be looked over for promotions and kind of feel a bit like a subordinate. For example, at work parties, women are kind of expected to pour drinks and almost take on a bit of a hostess role, kind of enkais and work parties. At the same time, I do know quite a few successful businesswomen, both foreign and Japanese, uh, have done a really great job in Japan. And Tokyo's current mayor, Koike, is of course female. Right now, it's looking more likely that Japan will one day have an empress. Um, while it's technically forbidden for women to be emperors, uh, there is a debate raging, with 80% of the Japanese population open to the idea as having a female Empress. So change is afoot, but if you come to Japan as a woman, it could be a bit more difficult and it will throw up a few more obstacles along the way, certainly more than it would back home. One reason Japan will regret its westernization. You will regret it when the western democratization will have invaded all your country. And that a Christianization, a soft monetization of your society, will leave you without natural values. Without values because as far as I know a man is not a woman. Except in the head of a deranged being like the Christian. From the point of view of a Westerner, but a Westerner who considers himself as an ancient man, spirit of antiquity, you will regret your movement started 150 to 200 years ago, towards the democratization of your country. Democratization and its monotheistic ethics have destroyed the West since the antiquity, and democratization is about to ravage you, but you will fall asleep before and not see this soft devastation on you. Like a people that dies as the West died of all its specificity 1,800 years ago by the Christianization of its population. Like this antique population you will not realize that in 7 or 8 generations from now, around 200 years, there will be nothing original left in Japan. Just as, there is nothing original left of the antique West, especially in Europe. It's been 2,000 years or so since the West that way. A slow decay of its population, and, believe me, from the inside, it's not a pretty sight to see a moribund society while you're living in it. You are being ravaged by the same Christian ethic that ravaged us 1800 years ago. And like us, you will not realize it. What is left of original in Japan will be erased in the next 200 years, 
and since we thought during antiquity, and for the most gullible still today, that equality as a norm is normal, you will regret it. But it will be too late. From they lie, we lie, getting on with anthropology by Peter Metcalf. Nevertheless, Cassie's sense of drama points towards something that might seem even more elusive, but in the end proves more tangible, something similar to what Marilyn Ivy, 1995, describes as discourses of the vanishing. What Ivy is trying to capture with this phrase is the strange ambivalence that Japanese people manifest towards their own culture. On the one hand, there is constant emphasis on the uniqueness of Japanese ways, so as to project the image of a robust and uniform Japanese culture. On the other hand, there is an equally constant anxiety that what makes them Japanese is being lost, erased by the twin forces of modernity and westernization. The result is a veritable fetishization of customs and folkways that are seen to embody an idealized traditional Japan. From a world of crisis and progress, the American YMCA in Japan, 1890-1930 by John Thares Davidan. These missionary writers concluded that only if Japan continued to move toward westernization would that country continue on the path of progress. Consequently, YMCA missionaries moved enthusiastically into the Japanese missionary field assuming that their mission would bring a world of progress and enlightenment to Japan. I laugh because we had these morons before you in the West, so we know them pretty well. Christianism is the number one plague of this world. Like a very active virus, nothing can resist it. In 1889, C.K. Ober, an influential YMCA missionary leader, wrote in the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association, Journal The Watchman, as the Christian world knows, Japan is just now the center of the fight. Here the enemy is weak let us pour in our forces. A day here now is worth a year in China or India. From a SAP World History by the Princeton Review, during the 16th century, Japan was ruled by a series of shoguns while the emperor remained a figurehead. As time went on, power became more centralized at the same time that Japan was exposed to the West. In 1542, Portugal established trade with Japan, introducing guns and later Christian missionaries to the country. The Jesuits took control of the port city of Nagasaki, which put Japan well on its way to westernization. The move toward westernization was reversed in 1600, however, with the birth of the Tokugawa shogunate, also known as the Edo period, by Tokugawa Ieyasu. This period ushered in a shift in attitudes toward the West, characterized by persecution of Christians and the national seclusion policy, 1635, which closed Japan off to foreign influences as well as forbid the Japanese people to travel abroad. The Christians never abandons their praise. They're lunatic, and lunatics are not rational people. Raised in this cult, I know what I am saying, these people are, literally hyenas. Beware of them, because the great Rome and Greece were not wary at the time of these underground movements, and today there is nothing left of this ancient culture. From the social and gender politics of Confucian nationalism, women and the Japanese na. Tian State by N. Freiner, Steel, 2004, notes that in Japan, norms for women still emphasize their primary role within the household as wife and mother. Women are concerned with public policy issues that affect their household but they do not see them as political, which underscores the importance of the distinction in Japanese culture between public and private. In recent decades, women in Japan have had increasing access to politics because of the outside influence of the United Nations as well as westernization and globalization that emphasize different, more equal, conceptions of gender as opposed to more traditional, Confucian gender roles.
No kidding, the United Nations, we did not know that it was the antechamber of communism, egalitarianism as a doctrine. And to think that in the West, these Westerners, raised Christians, still can't understand that they bring the plague with them with their egalitarian doctrine. These people are really too stupid. While many authors acknowledge the changes that the Meiji program of modernization laid upon Japanese society, most also recognize that these changes were part of the centralization of rule and a reformulation of gender ideology that occurred against the backdrop of Japan's rapid modernization and westernization, Garon 1997. The new conceptualization of womanhood required their political exclusion, while being encouraged to play a central domestic role, manage the home, and rear children. The relationship between women and the state represents an important shift in thinking. The new conceptualization of womanhood required their political exclusion, while being encouraged to play a central domestic role, manage the home, and rear children. The same thing happened in the West 1800 years ago. That bourgeois revolution has never stopped since then. Destroying antiquity and replacing it with a hyper-bourgeoisie. Gentrification The gentrification of society is in fact what is behind communism, of which the political takeover side, was only phase one of the program. Phase two is what we see today in the West with these new generations more concerned with their personal comforts than with the civil society. In the end it is a hyper-centralized government that acts like a mother and solves all the problems. The Covid and its treatment shows it again, suppression of individual liberties. But dear Japanese, you will see all this in time. Good luck, because you will need it. From Burakuman, a Japanese minority and education by Nobuo Shimahara. This dramatic century was divided into three formal chronologies since the inception of the Meiji period in 1868 which ended Tokugawa feudalism. Meaning, end of the caste system and arrival of the bourgeois democracy. The Meiji period, the first revolutionary era which shattered feudalism and its social structure, was the reign of Emperor Mutsuhito, 1868-1912. The Taisho period, 1912-1926, was less colorful and dramatic, it was the period of Emperor Yoshihito. The Showa era, designated as the period of Emperor Hirohito, 1926, has two features, the pre-war and post-war periods. Both drastically determined the course of Japan in two diametrically opposed directions. The first path was national polity and the second, democracy and peace. And here is the bourgeoisie. The changes of political ideology may well reveal the dialectical processes of these eras. Beginning with the Meiji Restoration, the relaxation of feudalism was soon accompanied by overwhelming westernization and Meiji Enlightenment while, in the later Meiji, ideological restraints were created by the rise of nationalism and Confucian traditionalism. The Taisho era called for political freedom, although for a short span of time, creating an ideological relaxation during which the Japanese Socialist Party was developed. No kidding the Socialist Party. It was also in this period that Marxism was introduced to Japan for the first time. And you have not finished seeing it, dear Japanese. From Apocalypse in Contemporary Japanese Science Fiction by M. Tanaka, in the 1880s, political fiction dealing with civil rights and parliament politics came into vogue as Japan tried to adopt a modern political and legal system. For example, in Kanna Shunichi's Hoshi Sekai Ryoko, Travel in Outer Space, published in 1881, the main character visits planets outside of the solar system and studies their science, socio-political systems, ethics, and so on. One planet is described as a cooperative totally lacking government, where everything is equal. 
on this planet people do not work since they have biologically artificial human beings for labor familiar we are in the west the ethics of communism and behind the ethics of christianism that same ethics that hates nature everything that is natural and therefore the fact of being alive to survive as japan became an imperial nation state political novels began to deal with the power of the state aiming at the expansion of the empire from anarchist modernity cooperatism and japanese russian intellectual relations in modern japan by sho konishi takatomi soho spoke of the need for education enlightenment and liberation of the commoners in order for the nation to embark on the path of western civilizational progress for soho the people largely referred to the anticipated rise in japan of a bourgeois middle class within the teleology of modernization Soho's writings represented a confluence of the idealization of the middle class as the historical subject to f democracy and state oriented national progress Soho's hyming were a people that were not yet bourgeois not yet the cultured middle class subject of the liberal ideal of progressive society the nomwar movement newly defined hyming in terms of their relationship to power they were identified as those people who stood outside the fold of the society of cliques or batsushakai that were allied with the state you will love the gentrification of your society dear japanese